Hello and welcome back to the Strength Club podcast. <laughs> Strength Club. Um, so today we're going to go through the Q&A questions we got on the Instagram to do with training. Yes. Oh, sorry, this one took us a bit. We've been, it's all been a bit hectic. What have you been doing? Lots of things. <laughs> what haven't I been doing? Sleeping. Um, so yeah, so we'll go through the first question, which is on deadlifts. So conventional or sumo? Conventional or sumo. So it's kind of, I guess this question came off like, what's better, which is clearly conventional. Yes. No. Sumo is better. Nah, no, there's no right or wrong. So we're going to discuss now. So it's how do you know which one you should pick? Yeah. Um, I think first thing is like what you have been doing and like your technique ability towards that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like if, you, if you're if you picking up conventionals really, really well and you want to do sumo, but your sumo just doesn't look good or you just don't take to it, probably just stick with conventional. Yeah. Um, or the vi- vice versa, whatever's kind of um, what feels good at light loads doesn't always feel good at heavy loads. That's right. Um, so just because your sumo feels good at 50, 60% and you're normally doing conventional, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden, oh, yeah, like I'm going to hit sumo PBs. Like it's, mm. it might not feel good at the top load or you might not be able to do it very well. Mm. Um, what else do Um So we really want to make sure you're on your mobility. So it just depends on your mobility in the movement. Um, and... One actually, an example. One of my clients recently, we've just swapped her from sumo to conventional because she's got an arched foot, and she would kept saying it was mobility, but we come down to an arched foot. But anyways, um, but we brought her into conventional. Like, let's just try it, and the difference for her was like crazy. Yeah, she was probably going into too much er. Yeah, like rolling out. Was that what it is? Rolling on the foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was probably just yeah, way too much er. But if you haven't got the ability to do to do that and like you're just losing force yeah then there's there's other stances you could use yeah um the best idea is to hire a coach to assess your biomechanics yeah <laughs> if you're unsure if you're unsure just yeah. ask yeah ask for help um we had the question of then if you do do sumo how do you find your stance now this is a bit hard to translate into words but obviously the sumo is a wider stance yeah than conventional um you obviously want your toes and knees to line up well and you want to make sure you can in a position where you have the ability to wedge and you're not falling over yeah i think a lot of people like they wedge too hard or too aggressively and they just end up falling backwards and forwards and all that kind of stuff um i like to think of the sumo as like revving the car so you go 1000 2000 3000 and your balance should be really like midfoot and you should be able to have the ability to keep your quads in the movement with your hips and extend very evenly so if you're finding your sumos you're falling over or you're falling backwards um we could probably do a post on that actually on instagram yeah we could um it's easy to show with diagrams but you're probably just putting a pressure either two in your toes uh most of the time it's two in the heels yeah so don't sit too back into your sumo or try and actually be too tall yeah um go to where your ability allows you and all Mm. that Mm. um question number three why do we have rest days Recovery. Recovery. Um, so obviously fatigue reduction. So we just want to make sure that you're getting in good recovery. You've got to take your rest 
just as serious as you take your hustle. That's it. Um, so making sure you rest, getting in good amount of sleep. Uh, yeah, increase your food. Yeah. Get your food or even keep the food the same. Just make sure you're getting on maybe other lifestyle factors like yep. meal prepping, um, relaxing. You know, a lot of the time um, rest days are probably why they do have a physiological function of, you know, washing away fatigue and, um, you know, having the ability to perform better the next day, hypothetically. Mm. Um a lot of time it's mental. Yeah, 100%. Like it's, it's giving yourself a mental break from just being in a gym, especially if it's something to do with powerlifting. Like you might be there for a couple of hours. Like you need mm-hmm. you need life as well. Go get a burger with a friend and yep. see how they're going and what's going on with their day. Should we, in that, I think the final question kind of relates to managing stress. Should we jump to that one then come back up? Yeah, the final question was um, how to manage your life stress during the peak of powerlifting. So like if you're peaking for a competition or you're yeah. in those last few weeks, which we have a lot of people getting ready for states. So this is probably a good question to how to manage their um, rest days and fatigue. It is. If you haven't listened to our uh last podcast, it was on ownership, which we do cover like scheduling and planning ahead quite a lot. But one of the biggest advice would be to plan ahead as much as possible. Obviously, in life, things are out of our control and things are going to happen. But if you plan what you can and, and control the factors that you, that are in your control, then it helps minimise that stress. So if something does pop up, you can work around that. Um, and scheduling in that time to rest. So like we just said, why do we have rest days? And this would be one of the reasons is to help manage that stress. So whether you do something that's self-care, um, I don't know, some people might be meditating or you've got a hobby, going to the beach, seeing family and friends, chilling out, watching a movie. Yeah, all those things. Yeah, just take and that time to do that. This is where those rest days, probably during a peak, become more performance enhancing. Yeah. Um, you're lifting, you know, it, during a peak, it's very rare to be feeling fresh, fresh. Yeah, 100%. So, so you're running quite hot, you're quite fatigued, you're quite irritable. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure you're getting enough sleep, you're getting enough food and all mm. that kind of stuff. So the rest day, yes, it's, it's important to recover, mm. but it's just important to manage life stress. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're struggling to, uh, manage those outside stresses and you're finding, man, I just can't come into the gym even four times during mm. this peak. I ha- mm. can only get three. Mm. Well, communicate with the coach, cut it down to three. You can make it work. You it's, can. it's, is it. The ideal situation, no. But at the end of the day, nothing really ever is no. um, unless we were all full-time powerlifters and had nothing else going on. Mm. Never going to happen. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe. Goals. Yeah, pro. Pro powerlifting. <laughs> um, but that's kind of like, uh, I guess during a peak as well, like you, if you listen back to our ownership podcast, it's about talking to those close to you as well and letting them know how important the event you have coming up is to you yeah and that maybe you might not be there as um frequently for events and Mm. um you've got to manage your own stress that's going on as well yeah that and take a step out and actually have a look at what's going on in your life so like okay you've got a lot going on with work you're training a lot and just acknowledge that and be proud of that as well. So it's not just like, oh, I'm so tired all the time, but like why are you tired all the time? And just acknowledge that's how you're feeling. Yeah, and mm. a lot of the time it's like, um, okay, I'll use me as an example this mm. week. I had really bad sleeps this week. Yeah. So I went to bench today and it just felt a bit below average. Yeah. It, there was nothing wrong with my bench. Mm. Um, maybe I just too tired to think about the cues I need to think about. Yeah. Um, 
but then again, I still moved equal PB weight yeah. and it moved better. So yeah. it's like, you've got to kind of like reflect on, hang on, I had some pretty average sleeps this week. All right, next week I'll try and get a bit more onto that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ownership. Yeah. <laughs> just managing what's going yeah. on with your fatigue. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question we had, what would be your master cues for SBD? So this is uh, Tracy Toms. She's like, if you only had to pick one cue for each lift, what would be your cue? So squat, what would be your cue? It'd be the same for every single lift. What? Fresh core. Well, yeah, no, nah, I'd th- argue that. I'd go different. Yeah, but I'd, if I'd I could only say one thing, well, I guess it depends time. on the lifter. But if it's someone's going to do something, I'm always going to remind yeah, them. Brace, yeah. Fucking send it. Nah. Brace. No, but brace because obviously there's always going to be other little things, but we know that brace is going to keep everything together. Yeah, if it was squat, I'd be going focus on your brace or, yeah. or like your stack. Yeah. If it was bench, I would be focusing them on keeping their ribs up. Yeah. So tightness is like the braces, yeah, I'd I'd be on that, but I think the ribs up would be my master cue. Yeah. Keep your ribs up. Okay. And then deadlift brace. Yeah, yeah. brace. Like brace hard. Yeah, brace um, hard. Yeah, okay. Next one, best accessories for SBD. Mm-hmm. Our top accessories. What do you what do you reckon for deadlift? Um, Romanian deadlifts. Yeah. Pause I, pauses. I like one inch pause. Yeah. Yeah. I like the RDL as well. I think the RDL is good for sumo and conventional because yeah. it's just that big posterior chain, long yeah. lever, yeah. Um, builder. Mm-hmm. And the one inch pause, like, if you, it just keeps you honest. Yeah. If you if you're doing trash one inch pauses, you're probably just going to do a trash deadlift anyway. Where are you pausing from? One inch off the ground. Yeah, I know. I know. Just like <laughs> <laughs> just I know the answer to that. No, I know. Yeah. But how many times, like, I see <sighs> people doing random pauses. I'm like, why are you pausing, like, above your knee? Like, yeah, I don't that's know what, actually true. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for pause, it's just making sure you're pausing off the floor. Do you know what annoys me? Mm-hmm. Not holding the pause. Oh, yeah. Like, people just like, it's like they didn't even hold the pause for a reason. It's a pause. Like, stop the bar, hold it. Yeah. Keep going up. Imagine yeah. you're like in a comp with your bench. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a bit of a nitpick for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do your pauses. Do your pauses. Um for squat, what would you pick? Again, pauses. Yeah, pause well. pause yeah. in the bottom. Yeah. Um really good for finding positions yeah. and um midfoot and pressure and how you're actually meant to push and yeah, really big fan of pauses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like safety bar. Yeah. I'd probably go safety bar as I think most people could benefit from safety bar. Yeah. I just don't – I wouldn't do front squat because we're not weightlifting and it just cooks the shoulders a bit too much. But I think safety bar, in terms of teaching people how to move better, mm. uh, I think it just translates really well into squat. So yeah. I, I really like safety bar. Yeah. Um, bench? Um, I like to do a feet up on bench. You like feet up? Press, yeah. Why do you like feet up? Because it just helps focus on, well, the brace and the arm movement. Because it's a very technical movement, the bench press. Yeah. So it helps people bring their attention to what's happening in the upper body. Obviously, in the bench, you want to keep your legs tight and that's going to help in your setup. Yeah. But that's why I like to do it. I like feet up because, it, like you said, it keeps them focused on like the upper body where their ribs are. Yeah. And it makes the movement longer. Yeah. So like they're having to push with just their upper body for yeah. that longer movement pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they obviously have to control yeah. what they're doing because yeah. they're no stable, no stability. Yeah, I like tempo or spotto. Yeah, as well. 
Uh, so nice slow on the way down. It, but some people don't really take well to that. Yeah. Um, and then spotters where you stop one inch off your chest, hold the pause. Yeah. Like on your deadlift. <laughs> and uh, I think that's really good for positions as well. But I like feet up as well. Yeah, nice. Um, now we had some questions on periodization, mm-hmm. uh, pros and cons of block of, of block periodizations or periodization models. Now there's a few, should I just re- talk a little bit? You can this? do this one. Oh, Hold on, let me just, <laughs> just uh, we had a few different questions yep. like what's good periodizations and there's pros and cons to everything. And this is like probably like a whole chat, coaches chat on its own, but you know, you've got different periodization models like linear undulating conjugate emerging strategies and stuff. So there's not a one shoe fits all when it comes to periodization. Um, but linear is like the linear fashion of progression. So you're just kind of progressive overloading. So every week you're just trying to add more load to a bar or more volume or more of anything. Um, undulating is where your training volume and intensity get exposed to different stresses. So, um, you might be doing a focus on your deadlift, so your squat pulls back a bit. You might be doing a focus on your bench, so your deadlift pulls back a bit. Um, so you're undulating what's kind of the priority of the block. Um, conjugate, what's the conjugate one day? Uh, changing exercises. Yeah, so block to block, you might change your exercises up or um, have that variety. Yeah. Um, and then we've got emergency stra- emerging strategies, which is a bit more... Um, restrictive in terms of long-term planning like it's it's not about like you know trying to predict where we're going to be in eight months it's about working with the model that you've got now and finding the patterns that work yeah um the issue with traditional periodization models so like linear undulating major conjugate a bit is they assume the amount of knowledge ahead of time so they assume this is where we're going to peak but it's too distant. So it's like, oh, we're going to peak for that comp in six months because of what we're doing now. Mm. And we don't really know. Like over time we become, uh, this is how emerging strategies came to be, is we, we create strategies and protocols in our training to find what's working, what the patterns are and what actually works. I mean, it's that old method of like, if something's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah. Um, so that's the issue with traditional models compared to emerging strategies. I really like emerging strategies. Um, and then you can add in, you know, the work that needs to be done long-term as you start to emerge with these new ideas and, Hey, let's just try this, this block rather than trying to change everything, every block. Yeah. Yeah. Which is where those other, um, periodizations kind of fall apart is they, they go by a very strict, you need to change something week to week, or you need to change something block to block. And sometimes there only might have to be one thing, not everything. Yeah. Anyway, that's a bit of the pros and cons on different periodizations um we should probably have just a bigger coach chat on that one it's a big one probably yeah um it obviously depends on the client's goal yeah so like um, client goal is a big one hey yeah um what like what blocks and create a variety in the training yeah um what else um so there's obviously different phases of prep i guess which you touched on well i say prep as in if you're going to a competition phase yeah. Um, so you still, even though everything might not be training in each phase, you're focusing on something. So you might have like a, a pre-prep, general prep, then something more specific, and then you've got comp phase. So there's still focuses in those. Yeah. Um, and I think this is like, like you said, that's that's following even like the, like these old school strategies 
old school periodization methods, like you have to have GPP, you mm-hmm. have to have a general block, mm. you have to have a strength block and you have to have a peak phase. Mm. While those are still good principles and they have their time in place, I think what we're seeing is your general block might still have singles in it. Yeah. Your your specific phase or your comp phase might still have singles in a volume reduction. It's just about what you're trying to potentiate out of that phase of training. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a nitpick of mine is like blocks don't have to run for three weeks up, one down. Yeah. You know, blocks can run for the length of time you require them to run to see the progress and drive the progress that you want. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the restrictions with old models is people think they have to go three up, one down and that volume has to start low in block one and intensity has to be really high block, last block. And they have their, the methodology is correct, but the the reasoning and the way you approach it is so individualized. That's the main thing. Yeah. And that's why I like the amenity strategies one as well. Yeah. Um, RPE. Is it good or bad? I think it's good. (laughs) I think it's good if you can um, honestly reflect on it, which is hard to do. And sometimes people don't take it, I don't know, not seriously is the word, but I'm like scale of one to ten, like, you know, how was that? It's not about your feelings. It's about reflection. Yeah, yeah. It's it's about like what was the actual number. Yeah. Um, On a, I guess not a powerlifting level, but a beginner's level when I ask this question, so I use it, you can, I, I like RP because you can use it across the board, no matter what the goal is, whether it's a beginner, what they're doing with their training, you can always ask on a scale of one to 10 and it gives you like good feedback. Mm. But often beginners are like, oh, like they don't, oh, yeah, maybe like a, I don't know, an eight, but you can tell it was like a four or a five. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's about being honest in that because then the more feedback that we get, then obviously we can make those changes or whatever. Yeah, exactly. As a coach, it's, um, you know, you might get beginners and you might actually set them loads yeah. for that first like block or two. Yeah. And then you go, you ask for the feedback on what they're actually doing. Yeah. And you get those videos and they go, oh, I'm doing this squat. Um, you'd give me, I don't know, hypothetical 50 kilos for mm. six reps. Uh, that's an eight for me. Yeah. And then you look at it and you're like, yeah, it's a six. Yeah. So it's good data collection for the coach as well to yeah. know, are you undershooting? Are you overshooting? Um and all that kind of stuff. The The reason RPE became a really big thing, um, I think it's actually, it's good for like competitive bodybuilding as well mm. because you're under a lot of lifestyle factors stress. Mm. So like if you were doing bodybuilding, you're having to manage high levels of fatigue often. Mm. If you were doing a percentage-based model, you know, and you're trying to get, I don't know, 65, 70% for eight reps or something, I don't know. Um you just might not have the capacity there to do that. Yeah. Um, but you still need to potentiate an effect um, to drive the adaptation you want. So going to an RPE or a rep and reserve or something like that allows you to still get some honest hard work done yeah. and reflect on, hey, yeah, I'm just cooked from this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it came down to like that with powerlifting a bit. Um, I think a combination of both can work or cap loads. But RPE is still just the aim of like managing lifestyle factors as well. You know, you're not you're not supposed to be your best all the time. Yeah. Um, is your technique efficient? You know, can you find patterns in performance by having like a an RPE six on the Thursday for your bench and then going for an eight the next day? Yeah. Does that work better? Yeah. Um, so it's all about just finding patterns with RPE, and yeah. I, I think it's a really good tool. I definitely think people are 
pretty bad at using it, um, like all tools in this realm. But um, it definitely has its time and place. Yeah. What's the next question? Um, squat, bench, deadlift days. Yes or no? Oh. Should do them? Well, I think yeah, it's dependent on goal. Um, coming into a comp, well, I guess it's something that we touched on before in terms of um, periodization and how you would do it. But I would say coming into a comp phase, uh, more of a specific prep, specific, get my words out, I would use a squat, bench, dead day. But I think that you like them. I love a squat, bench, dead yeah, day. Yeah. I've, I've probably in the last 18 months of coaching, I've probably really jumped on SBD days a bit yeah, more. Yeah. But d- dependent on the person. Yeah. Like not everyone's going to be able to do it and you have to do it right. That's it. Like it's. There's a pe- benefit to having it. For years, SBD days got just bastardized by like just, I don't know, industry dinosaurs, let's call them, because they said it was accumulating too much fatigue and rah, rah, rah. Now, from where powerlifting was, you know, 10 years ago to where it is now, it's a very different, even now, demographic. Um, a lot of people have a way more capacity to handle loads. Um, you know, the smaller weight divisions are a lot more full, a lot more females competing. So we can kind of like open up this experiment of like what's actually going to work for these people. Yeah. What what works for the 120 kilo plus six foot male is going to be very different to the four foot eight under 47 kilo female. Yeah. It's going to be a very different program. And I think those SPD days got bastardized quite hard um, early days. And now we're starting to see a change and shift in industry standards. Um, like if I was given an example of an SPD day, it could be as simple as a safety bar squat, a heavy bench and one inch pause deadlifts. Yeah. At, at a very light RPE. Isn't that a fun day? That's a fun day. But it's, it's the point is to... Um, enact how you're going to go. You know, people think it's like all about competition specific. It is, but it's also about can you manage the capacity of a day? Can you yeah. manage the demand? Um, depending on your where your program's sitting and what days everything's meant to be on, maybe that's just a good day to get everything in as well. Yeah. So, you know, um, maybe I wouldn't give it to a beginner straight off the bat, but it's definitely something I'd look at as someone advanced and was able to handle it. Not everyone's going to do it, but. There's a time and place. It's a big yes for me. Yeah. Uh, what's another question? Uh, benching two times a week. Minimum. Or two, two plus. Minimum. Yeah, minimum. Minimum. I agree. Minimum. Very very technical lift, the bench press. Yeah, the bench, especially in powerlifting, is probably the most technical as well from a referee standpoint. You have to start, yeah. you have to pause, and you have to then obviously press and yep. lock out and get the rack call. Mm. The other thing is you, especially when you go IPF rules, you have to have your head down, your feet down, your glutes down, your shoulders back. Like there's a there's lot a of lot, like, yeah. like a lot of technical uh, things that need to be thought about. And then you've got to stop the bar and turn it back around. Yeah. So I'm a big, big fan of benching more than twice a week. Um, I think more exposure will yield better results. And uh, it's something that I've, I've changed my mind about. Mm. Back in like, I don't know, 2018, I would say benching twice a week was like, that's enough. Yeah. But as I've worked, as we've worked as well, with like more bodies and we've had more people coming through, you could get pe- people benching four or five times a week. Yeah. It's not going to be the same circumstance as the SBD day. It's all dependent on who the person is yeah. um, and the loads they're lifting. But yeah, I don't, I think people 
right now are under benching. And you'd have variation in those bench days. It wouldn't oh, be yeah. it wouldn't be same bench press, same reps, same load, all that kind of stuff. It'd vary. That's where you'd throw in your tempos. Your spotos, your spotos, feet up. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So there'd be variation in those across the week, um, but benching X amount of times. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, yeah, if you're benching, <laughs> I say this lightly because people get butt hurt, but if you're benching more than twice a week, let's say three, and you're getting niggles, you probably have poor technique and you're probably doing the wrong loads. Mm. Um, that, that's just it. Like you're, you're probably just benching bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, something I've really changed my own thought process around how that benching works. Yeah. Um, and benching is just, yeah, you can just hammer it. Yeah. Just hammer the bench. Yeah. You know, if you're benching twice a week, pump that number up. Mm. Rookie tack, numbers. Attack the hurdle. Attack the, oh my God. Are you going to tell that story then? Yeah. Yeah, tell the story. So back in the day, I don't even know what year it was. We uh, did a- Circa um, 2014? With, we did an athletics course with Ryan Fredericks, who was our mentor and he's a good friend. Um, and we did this athletics course. And at the end, it was obviously like we had learned how to do hurdles. So like, all right, bit of fun, guys. Like, let's split up into two teams and we're going to have a race. So me, Jacob, and Ryan were on a team. Was there somebody else in our team? I can't no, remember. It was just, it was just us. three of us. We were going to attack it. And we're like, all right, let's fucking send it. Like, we're going to win this race. They put me first. Beat these athletics coaches. And there was like, there was like a row of us. And they're like, all right. And um, Ryan and Jacob were like, come on, D, like, just fucking attack the hurdle. Like, just go, let's just send it. I was so amped up. You know me, I'm competitive. So I was like, ready to fuck shit up. I legged it. I went so fast at this hurdle. I cleared it <laughs> until the end. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and my like toe clipped it. Toe and I've like oh. just a sack of potatoes to the floor and just like rolled across the, what do you call it, the track? Yeah. You oh, just it got was bad. It was the first hurdle as well. It was bad. And me and Ryan just started pissing ourselves down yeah. the other end of the track. Yeah. Dee's cut up everywhere. She's like crawls back over to us we're still losing it she's like now i've got bruises and scratches everywhere (laughs) oh my god and we lost yeah it was like it was just massive defeat now for anyone that hasn't done hurdles yeah do hurdles yeah it's fun it is the hardest thing to do um yeah you know when we done that athletics course Mm, mm. it was the idea of having run club yeah um maybe we should do run club no 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 running Running's for the Not week. running. Um, um, no, anyways, good story. Good story, D. Attacked the hurdle and uh, yeah. the hurdle got kicked in the head and D <laughs> lands on the floor. Um, all right, next question. Uh, singles, singles. So singles on your squat bench deadlift yeah. a year round. So not, you know, just having a specific four weeks or something of singles once a year. Year round. Big I, yes. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say yes. It's like these questions are so broad, but because it I'm, depends, it depends. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> I know we say it all the time, but it really does depend. I spoke to, I listened to Kelly's podcast the other day on Perform Motion Guys, good podcasting for other coaches. Yeah. But the whole time they're getting these questions and they're like, it depends. Yeah. It depends. It, it really does. And I told like, her I wasn't going to say it depends on our podcast. And I, we say it we all the time. No, <laughs> we do. We say it all the time. And I know we do because I feel like I'm saying these questions are broad and then us saying it depends is a broad response, but it really depends. <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm, I'm a big fan of singles year round yeah. um, for the right athlete at the right time. Um, 
I think once again, it's one of those things like SBD days and benching twice a week, like it or more times than twice a week. It's just got a bit bastardized. Um, if you're doing the right percentage load or the right RPE, singles can be very safe to do year round and they can allow you to keep working on skill acquisition yep. and getting comfortable with loads. Yep. Um, at the end of the day, it's, you know, if you're doing an RPE seven single, it actually shouldn't be that heavy mm. and it shouldn't actually cook your CNS mm. um, that hard. Like it, if it is cooking your CNS, it's probably the volume intensity of ev- everything around that. Yeah. That's doing that to you. So, you know, have a review of that. Big that, fan. That and like program singles is different to you just like going in every single week and like maxing out. Okay. That was a good point. Don't 100%. overshoot. Yeah. Don't. So like don't overshoot. All right. Yeah. It's Saturday. Sweet. I'm just going to like do singles day and max out because that's not the aim of. Yeah. If you're right. squatting, yeah. if you're squatting, um, let's go deadlifting. If you're deadlifting 200 and you're walking in every week and pulling 195, you're mm. probably going to cook yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be moving at 170s, 160s, one, yeah. 180s every now and then and getting those even better, maybe 190s every now and then as well. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's more about skill year round than necessary overload. Yeah. Um, soft suit during training. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> soft suits <laughs> nah, look good, man. Nah, yeah, no, they do. I get it. So this is something oh, that comes... Oh, we get it. No, this is something that comes up all the time because much the same as slippers, I get cringy. What's wrong with deadlift slippers? They're so cringe. They're not cringe. And um, I don't understand when people train their soft suit like two or three days back to back. Like, when are you having time to wash your soft suit? <laughs> I don't get I don't. What if they have multiple soft suits? They don't. (laughs) Um, Are you calling someone out now? I'm calling so many people out. (laughs) Wash your fucking soft suits or wear them once and don't wear them again until you've washed it. I wore my soft suit for that last SBD day of prep. Did it make a difference? Mm, yeah, actually, it did in terms nah, of yeah, me moaning. Yeah, think about it. No, nah, I did because I don't wear skins for my. True, no, nah, so this is true. No, nah, I, I get it. I get the purpose but of it. But you're correct. If you're wearing your soft suit on a Monday and you're coming back in on Tuesday or Wednesday and you're wearing the same soft suit, that is not a good sign. Yeah, it's pretty gross. <laughs> That's pretty gross. And no soft suit until you're about three weeks out. Yeah. 21 days. Mm. I get, get it. I get it. You get you're 21 days of soft suit. It's like me with posing. If I'm practicing posing, I put my bikini on because it's, cringe. it's a real example. Bikinis are cringe. Yuck. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but because like it gives me real life experience of how I'm going to look, blah, 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 blah. So I get it. But like, girl, you're sweating in that shit. <laughs> wash it. <laughs> Please, dear God, wash it. What soft suit? Oh, you got the A7. I got eh? A7. Yeah. You should rip that back out. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Um, so that's uh, <laughs> that was a good one. Soft suit during training. Mm. Um, falling forward in the squat. Uh, another question we got. Uh, once again, it depends, but it's pretty hard to say without seeing it. Well, I was going to say falling forward is in like... Like falling forward. Like chest is like actually chest, falling chest. forward, chest forward, weight in the uh, feet, the toes. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I'd say they're not finding their midfoot. Yeah. That's just straight out. You're not finding your midfoot. Um, Mask cue, brace cool. Must keep, yeah, you're not holding your stack. You're not staying in your midfoot. And the biggest thing falling forward um, in the squat, especially when people are falling forward, um, pressing up out of the squat, mm. is their knees have moved back too fast. Yeah. So they've been, generally that's also the same as pushing into the heel. I hate that cue. I despise pushing into the heel for a squat. I use it. Nah. No, I know. Despise it. Yeah, all right. So this is another conversation. Keep going. Midfoot. 
Yeah, fine well, no, but that depends. If, that depends it, if someone's. It if, depends if, how you explain cue, it. Yeah, exactly. It depends how you explain Correct. it. There's I don't. I'm, I don't just say driving your heel. There's so many other cues that I use. Um, but in explaining how to find the midfoot, I do sometimes say to shift the weight back into the foot, still pressing the toes into the floor. Yeah, correct. Like there's, this is like I said, there's context to it. I just think it's been, it's one of those cues that has been very poorly drilled into people. Like knees yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, knees yeah. Knees yeah, out. Yeah, heel, yeah. Heel, sit in your yeah, heels, knees yeah, out. Yeah, like That is, we're not knee wrapped equipped lifters or if you are, then appropriate. But if you're not, this is not probably the most appropriate cues to be using. And one of the other things I think with falling forward is like, well, again, it depends, but being actually confident in your lift. So I think when people are like nervous to actually use their legs or move the bar slow use your legs. or feel or like scared to feel the heavy weight on that, but it's powerlifting, man. Things are going to feel heavy. It's okay for them to feel heavy and to move slow. It's not okay to let technique go out the window, but people get a little bit nervous in having those loads on their back. And so they kind of just like default, like, oh my God, like they try and fall forward to catch it or to make depth, they let their chest collapse forward kind of thing. Yeah, that's but it. Just that making sure we're actually using your legs. I think the squat is is definitely one of those ones where it depends. Yeah. But I think if you had to use, you know, we went back to our master cues and we we're saying like bracing. Yeah. You know, your next one is definitely midfoot. Like yeah. 100%. If you can't find your midfoot, definitely. And my other big favorite one is keeping knees forward or keeping your quads or using your legs. Mm. So making sure your knees aren't extending uh, too fast. Um, yeah, that's, that's a big one I see when we get newbies or uh, new new athletes come from a powerlifting background is their their squat pattern is very hingy and it's not very squatty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then vice versa for um, sorry for deadlift. Positions are very squatty. <laughs> Positions are very, yeah, especially beginners. If that makes sense. Beginners yeah. like love squatting the deadlift. Yeah. Um, it's just them trying to keep their back flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. I mean, yeah, now you're just using your back more really. Yeah. Um, and falling forward and <laughs> then mm. hinging back again. <sighs> There's a whole, that's a whole thing in itself, mm. deadlift. Um, did you have any other questions? That was all our like questions off the uh the podcast. Mm. Did you have any other questions that you come to your mind that you'd like to discuss? Mm, not particularly, do you? I did have someone ask, I wrote it down, what's the best stuff to eat around training? Didn't really have much to do with training, but I guess nutrition. Around around training? Yeah. As in like before and after? Yeah. Or? What do you do? Um, well, at the moment, not much, <laughs> um, but just something with carbs before a meal, just to give me that energy for the session. Yeah. Um, and then same, with, I think we covered this in nutrition when we I spoke so about nutrition. Well. Yeah. Um, there was something else, like, oh, a, a question about training is, oh, I don't like, um, doms, getting doms. So like, oh, I didn't feel sore the next day. Is it working? Oh, that one. Yeah. That's a big one. That comes up a lot. I haven't been sore for 14 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sore every single day. Yeah, yeah, of course. My back hurts from all this humor I've got to carry around. Um, oh, that my was bad. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, um, that was so lame. Yeah, DOMS, DOMS are a result of um, uh, micro tears in the muscle, um, creating, you know, the stimulus of uh, having pain or uh, contraction so that it's very hard to move. But. D- uh, doms are not a good sign of a good workout. It's it's often you have your best workouts and more than likely not be sore. Mm. Um, 
yeah, I I don't know how that became a big thing. Maybe it's because people want to feel like they've done something. Feel the burn. But a lot of the time with good coaching, good coaches aren't trying to burn you out. Mm. They're not they're not trying to slam you to the ground that you can't walk the next day. Again, again depending on your goal. Because pa- yes, like a powerlifter yes, yes. is not going to come in and say that. Like if a powerlifter doesn't feel sore, they're like sick. <laughs> awesome. Like I feel fresh. Let's let's rock and roll. Yeah. But like when um, I guess – uh, if we're getting a stereotype, but young females come in, I want to get treaded, da, 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 and they're like, "Oh, I like, I'm not feeling the burn." But then, if you look at their results, they're still yielding results. Yeah, so like it's it's it, a lot of the time destroying yourself um, into the ground is you're just doing stupid amounts of volume and intensity. Mm. And the other thing, when we looked at adaptive methods and like emergent strategies, we we're talking before, is where do you go from there? Yeah, that's it. Like, okay, do we? keep putting more load? Do we give you more reps? Do we give you more volume? Now that's not saying that always has to be the way um, moving forward. It's not just, you know, that linear, but I think people need to really hone back in on how they're moving properly mm-hmm. and the technique that they're actually using. You know, if you require 800 exercises in a workout to get worked, you're just doing 800 shitty exercises yeah. that aren't doing much. Yeah. A big one that's come up is, um, Doing exercise with intention and purpose yeah, and each rep because it's easy just to come in and, and do a movement and be like, all right, yeah, cool, I did my session. But when you actually get people to consciously break, like I'll do, if you see someone once or twice a week and they might have like four or five sessions in their training and you do a different session that you haven't done with them before the next time you see them and they're like, oh, my God, that session was so much harder when I did it with you because they're actually – yeah, you know, focusing on on the movements differently and things like that. So it's make sure you're training with purpose. That might make the difference in maybe if you want to get your doms the next day. I don't yeah. know. Do you know what I mean? No, hundred percent. But like, you're not just coming in and doing the movements. You're actually doing it with intention. I have a big one. I mean, talking back on like the falling forward um, squat cues that we we're like going through. Um, one thing that often a penny drops when we're changing people's technique is I'll, I'll just have them squatting for a session, like a technique session, We'll work hard on squatting. Mm-hmm. They'll message me the next day or come sore. in and they'll be like, oh, my quads are sore. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I'm like, yeah, because you're actually learning how to use you're, them now. Yeah, you're yeah. actually using your legs. And the yeah. weight wouldn't be like, oh, the weight wasn't even that heavy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because you're using your actual muscles now with intent to yeah. go where yeah. you want to go. Um, I think that's something that definitely gets missed. Um, I'm missed as a workout. Like, I've got to have doms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know what I've noticed more on the gram as well is everyone has, like, with their glute training, mm. like, your glutes have to be, like, every f- direction under the sun mm. and burnt out for they 400. They do have to be every direction yeah, under the no, sun. They, <laughs> they have to be intentful with yes, good quality yeah, yeah. reps, with good, ac- like, good quality full ranges of using the glute muscle itself. You can't just do 40 reps at two kilos and expect your glutes to grow. Right. And lift heavy. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. if you're doing good quality hip thrusts, good quality RDLs, mm-hmm. good quality deadlifting, um, you know, all those other angles that we can look at. But if you're not doing it to the intention and the quality that you are, you're probably not hitting the rep, or res- rep in reserve or high enough RPE to create the stimulus you want anyway. Training with intention and intensity. Intention and intensity. I might put that like as a quote. That's a quote. Write that down somewhere. In my Instagram bio. Intention and intensity. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else that comes into your mind with training? Um, no, that was all that popped up. 
There's nothing else I can think of. I feel like we're going to leave here. I'm going to think of so many more things. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, but I guess we can write them down and do another one. Yeah, I hope you that. Uh, next podcast, what are we doing? I don't know. We haven't decided yet, have yeah, we? We haven't figured it out. I might get a guest on next one. We'll do it. Yeah, okay. Cool. Sounds maybe, good. Maybe yeah. see if Callum wants to jump on and have a little yarn. Yeah, cool. Someone. or no, shout out to him if he listens to this on the way home today. Um, if anyone has a suggestion, hit us up. Yeah, if you've got suggestions on who you want, maybe we'll put a story. We'll put a story yeah. up and be like, who do you want on here? What do you want to talk about? Mm. Um, or even topics. If you've got something that you like burning desire you want to hear us talk shit about yeah i'd like to do more on the programming and technique stuff it's just mm. words are hard to describe someone's movements that's it and because it depends it depends yeah <laughs> it's, it's, hard, it's hard to give you such specific uh information that you're going to find useful yes yeah, otherwise just word vomit we can just blah, 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 and, and everyone's yeah, like Whoa. yeah yeah so yeah but if there's something you want to know about let us know and we'll i think i had a good one as like uh Someone said, what's it actually like owning a gym? Oh, that could so be a good one, should get the like gym. get Kelly on or someone like that and mm. actually talk about what it's like owning a gym and yep. having people shit in your toilets. Girl. And leaving it there. Flush it. All right. Anyway, guys, uh, have a great weekend and we will see you next week on the Strength Club podcast. Ah. Da, 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 da.